Welcome to Church Online. I am so excited that you have joined us this morning. I'm Pastor Matt. I pray that our worship will be exciting and uplifting. I pray that the ministry of the Word will work in your heart and that the Lord will do something special. Thank you again for joining us and enjoy the service. Romans chapter 5 verses 1 through 11. Man, the book of Romans has been such a blessing to me. Uh, I'm learning so much and it is a um, it's just a wealth. It really is. It's just opening up so many things as far as my salvation goes. It's the behind the scenes, you know what I mean? The, the inner workings, if you will. And there's a lot of things in life that we take for granted, right? A lot of things in life that just work and function. And we were talking about, um, Nick and I were talking about BG&E before uh, service and linemen and all you guys. Like the electricity is one of those things, right? We just kind of take it for granted that it's here. Uh, without understanding what it takes. Uh, and we could go down the line with many of your jobs and, and you know, you fulfill a, a specific role that people don't quite understand. Um, uh, that's this book, right? It's letting us know what's happening behind the scenes as it pertains to our salvation. And it's incredible what the Lord is doing and actively doing. Like things that are actively happening on our behalf right now as it pertains to our spirituality uh, that so often we take for granted. But this book is the behind the scenes tour. It's the backstage pass to what's happening in your lives and in your spiritual lives. Um, so last week we started this message and I got about three quarters of the way through it. So all we have to do today is the last 25% of the message and then you can go home. Uh, so I didn't plan any more. Uh, for some reason, this morning's message wasn't that much shorter. I don't know how that works, uh, but we only got 25% left of this message. Uh, so if you're like, man, I, I, I didn't really get the full picture, go back and listen to last week's message and it'll be the other half. Even though we'll do a little bit of review um, but I didn't want to rush. This is just such a, this morning's topic, uh, it's not really a, a Mother's Day topic, um, but it's, it's a needed topic, and it's super weighty, uh, and for us to take a whole sermon on it, uh, I think is just the way that the Lord wanted it to be. So I'm going to pray one more time, and then we're going to jump in, uh, and we'll read Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Father, we, we love you, and we thank you for your goodness and your grace. And we ask your spirit to come. We ask that you would reveal these eternal truths in our hearts. Change us, mold us, make us into who you would have us to be. In Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Let's read together. Romans chapter 5, verse number 1. Paul says this. He says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now remember... Uh, all of what we're saying this morning is therefore, it's because of, since we have been justified. See, uh, go back to that verse number one. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith. Everything that we're talking about, the title of the message is the benefits. So everything that we're discussing today is because of the fact that you have been declared righteous. That's what justification means. Uh, it's a legal term. You were standing in the courtroom, so to speak, and all of your sin uh, was on your account, and you were declared innocent. You were declared uh, set free. And not just that, you were given the righteousness of God. Not only did God save us from ourselves, but he gave us himself. Um, so the doctrine of justification and the doctrine of imputation. In other words, he gave us. It was his, his righteousness was imputed or given to us. 
So that's what we're seeing here at work. So therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have, what's that next word? Peace. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, verse number two, we have also obtained what? Access. We've obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. And this next part is just mind-blowing. In which we stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, verse 3, but we also boast in our, what's it say? Hmm. Does that make sense? <laughs> Does that we boast in our afflictions. Okay, does anybody know what the word affliction means? It's not really something I want to boast about. I can tell you a lot of good things about myself that I'd like to boast about, but I really don't want to tell you, you get my, I'm being sarcastic, but I don't really want to talk about the hard things. I don't really want to talk about what I'm, I'd rather forget those things, right? Boast in our afflictions because we know that our affliction produces what? Let's keep going, verse four. Endurance produces proven character. Proven character produces what? Hope. hope. This hope will not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And then remember, verse six through 11, it just kind of tells of the state of the affair so to speak, before this justification happened. Let's read it together. It says, For while we were still helpless, at the right time, I love that wording, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though a good person, perhaps, someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. I love those two words, but God. Verse number nine, how much more... Since we have now been justified by his blood, that's, that's an echo, right, of verse number one. You're seeing what sacrifice had to take place for your justification. He didn't just declare you righteous, he paid the price. Therefore, since we've been justified by his blood, uh, and this is a lot of, a lot of teaching, I, I'm aware of that, but this is good stuff. Look, you need to understand the bedrock, the foundation of our faith. It's important for us to understand these mechanics. Uh, so verse nine, uh, yeah, how much more since we have now been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? For if while we were enemies, he takes it a step further and shows really what this was all about. While we were enemies, it wasn't just the fact that we were sinners. We were in opposition to Jesus. We were on the other team. We were fighting against him. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. And then how much the more, watch the build, how much the more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus uh, Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. So uh, you can really like tie all this together. You understand that we're justified by his sacrifice, by him paying that penalty, and so we boast in his life. But when we're boasting in his life, when we're boasting in what it cost, what are we boasting in? We're boasting in his affliction. Paul said that 
that I may know him, gnosko, that I may experience him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. So this is not a new thing. When we boast in his affliction, when we boast in his saving us, when we boast in his paying our price with his blood, we're boasting in his tragedy. And so therefore, this language that Paul is using, how we can now glory and we can now boast in our affliction, it's not new, um, but it is scriptural. And it is something that we should um, consider and think about. So last week we talked about, we made it through two points of this, the benefits of our being justified, the benefits of our being reconciled. The first thing we, we said, look at verse number one there in your Bibles, chapter five, verse number one. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace. So the first benefit that we discussed last week, and I won't belabor this point, um, but the first benefit is that we have peace. Often, uh, in my experience, talking with Christians, believers, people that are walking through um, their faith journey, they are constantly thinking and searching for peace. And has anybody heard that? Has anybody ever heard, I just don't have peace about it. I'm looking for peace in this situation, in this trial, in this tragedy. And so what I'm trying to show you is that Paul is saying that this isn't something that you're going to find this isn't something that you're going to come to or it's going to happen in or out. This is a status that you've obtained. Does that make sense? This is a house that you've moved into. This isn't a, a day-to-day situation um, that is ebb and flow. This is uh, a part of the legalities of your salvation. And, and, and this is kind of what, what he's saying. He's saying, remember, you were an enemy with God. You were opposed while you were yet a sinner. Christ died for you. So while you were in battle, uh, as far as you trying to live a good life, you trying to do this thing on your own, Jesus put an end to that. Jesus, while you were sinning, while you were in opposition, while you were an enemy, uh, a child of wrath, Paul says in other places, Literally, Jesus came into this world, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. How is that possible? Because he perished. Because he died. And so the, the tension that your sin creates, you're now at peace with God. So it's not something that you should be looking for, trying to find. It's when you are justified by your faith, when you decide to put your believing loyalty in Jesus, what what Paul is saying is that you now have peace. You've obtained it. No matter what happens in this life, your eternity is secured. Your sin cannot take over. Does that make sense? So when we're looking for peace in situations, I I just want to call this what it is and and do an apples for apples comparison and just say there's a far greater issue of conflict that was happening in your life that he has solved. When, When we are struggling for peace in a job transition or in a relationship or in day to day stuff, what Paul is saying is you've actually obtained peace for something way more important. Not that he doesn't care for you, but he's already cared for you. 
Not that he doesn't care about your feelings, but he has already made a way of escape for your entire life. So, so we're, we're trying to put things in perspective, and that's my goal here with the benefits. If I can show you what's available to you, maybe some of the things that uh, aren't even that important will be prioritized in such a way that you'll be able to make it through those as well. So the first thing is understand that before your salvation, before your declaration of righteousness, you were an enemy of God. You were in opposition, and you did not have peace with, with the Father. And so it's through Jesus that we have signed this peace treaty, if you will. Colossians 1.20, it says, And through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So continuing, the second thing, and just by way of review, the second thing that we have, look at verse number two again, we have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. So you have to get the, uh, you know, in this, I think this uh, review is good, but you have to get the progression. We're going to get to the affliction. We're going to get to the part where you're literally uh, facing the worst of the worst, the, the most incredible conflicts of your life, but before you face them, you have to realize that you have access into his grace. So number one, the benefits of your justification is that we have what? What's the first thing? We have peace. Yep, we have peace. Everybody say peace. Peace, peace love, right? Peace and love. We have peace. Number two, we have access, all right? Um, so think of it as a key to a door. Think of it as like a swipe card, right? Um, you, you have access. It's like going to Dave and & Buster's and, and getting the, the card that's like unlimited. You know what I mean? Uh, when Sarah was out of town in New Mexico uh, and, and I kept Ross, it was just me and him, and we spent so much money. It was awesome. <laughs> we like went to Gershbeck's and like loaded up on junk food and watched movies and stayed up way too late, and we were driving by the mall, and I was like... Son, have you ever been to an arcade? He's like, what's that, Dad? I'm like, this is your lucky day. <laughs> and we go, and we pull in, and there's all these construction cars out front. And I'm like, well, this is interesting. And it's like an off time. So we go in there, and there's just like construction dudes everywhere. I'm like, oh, this is cool. I get along with construction people. So I buy my little, I'm like, all right, we'll spend 50 bucks or something. We'll play a few games. We'll eat, and then we'll leave. And so we're playing, we, you know how fast you get through that card at Dave & Buster's? It's like, whoop, swipe, that'll be $35. <laughs> you know, it's like, we just played one game. But anyway, so this guy walks up to me, he's like, hey man, I'm like the, I don't know, whatever, the superintendent for this company, and we've got like unlimited cards. He's like, I don't know if you want to stay here for a little while. I was like, yes, thank you. <laughs> So, man, me and him, we were, like, swiping on everything. You know what I mean? Like, where you're, like, kind of sizing it up. Do we really want to play that game? Do we want to waste? I was like, everybody's playing this game. It's like wiping or swiping those cards. It was so much fun. It was great. But we had access. What a difference in, think about this, what a difference in my mentality when I shifted from, like, my $35 to this thing doesn't have an end. I lived differently in those moments. You understand what I'm saying? It didn't matter what, what it was. We knew we could walk into it. And so the picture that I see here is you have access, watch this, 
into his grace. And I wonder if, and we're going to get to number four that we have, number three is we have hope. But I wonder if we don't have hope. I wonder if we don't experience the grace of God in the hard things of life because we're not walking through the door of his grace. He's, when he gave you his righteousness, when he declared you just, when he said, I've, I've taken care of your penalty for sin, and he, he didn't stop there, he didn't leave you there, and he said, here's another plan, it's called my grace. Here's another room that, that I'm going to give you a key card to, and when you swipe it and you come into my grace, you're going to experience some things. Here's what the word grace means. Uh, uh, it, it means this, it means steadfast love. It means compassion. It means kindness, favor, goodwill. Look, when you step into God's grace, you experience him for who he is. And it's an amazing thing. So before we can ever talk about what we're about to talk about today, the end result, we have to first say, are you experiencing it from the room of grace? Do you, have you obtained access? I just think that the Lord's grace is underutilized. It's a room that we don't go into very much. You have a room like that in your house? I feel like they're like sitting rooms or reading rooms. Like what are those things even? And we only use them for contemplation when we're going through a hard time, you know what I mean? Not that we have a sitting room or a reading room. <laughs> With four children, there's not a room in the house that doesn't get abused. <laughs> or not a room that they don't get abused. Anyway, I know. <laughs> Just kidding. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> I repent. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> I think that if we can create a habit of accessing this room more frequently, we're going to be able to handle the topic of today's sermon, which is this. Number three, the Bible says that not only do we have peace and access, we have hope. We have hope. And in, in, in this moment, you're like, yes, we have hope. I would love to have hope. But how does it say we have hope? Go to the text with me. Look at verse number three. It says, and not only that, but we also boast in our what? Afflictions. Because we know that our, we, we know that afflictions produce endurance. Endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces what? Hope. Mm-mm-mm-mm. I'll take the hope. I need hope. Look, we live in a hopeless world don't we? Turn on the news, talk to your co-worker. It doesn't take long to figure out that people are hopeless in their affliction. There's challenges, there's hard times. I don't even feel worthy to discuss this uh, with you in terms of seeing what other people are walking through. People are walking through some very difficult things, some very difficult times, but the scripture, if we're faithful to it, if we understand what Paul is saying, he said, listen, we can boast in our afflictions. It seems so counterintuitive. 
It seems so upside down to say, I'm literally going to explain to you what I'm most happy about in my life, and it's all the hard things that are happening. I'm incredibly happy about it. I'm incredibly happy about the thorn in my flesh. I'm incredibly happy about this health issue I'm having, this relational issue I'm having, all the afflictions in my life, a wayward child. I'm boasting in those things. Does that seem right to you? But that's what Paul is saying. Why is he saying that? Because he understands this. He understands that afflictions produce endurance. And endurance produces character. What does character produce? Hope. Look, why is our society so hopeless? Because we got a bunch of powder puffs in our society. That's why we're hopeless. I think when we started to like have all this drama with, uh, yeah, hold on, it's gonna get worse, no. When we started having all of this drama with like Russia and, Ukraine and all of that, I think everybody was like, oh Lord, we can't handle a war with this generation. (laughs) Who knows what that's gonna be like. (laughs) Look, it's, it's no secret that we have a pretty soft generation right now. It's no secret that they run from affliction. They run from hard times. And all the adults that are saying, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, You're the reason. Because you've endured all the affliction for them and you refuse to let them feel it. So therefore, if there was a lesson for them to have and for it to produce character within them, you just bypass that. And you said, oh, no, no, I'll I'll do that. I'll take care of that. Look, we, suffering for... (laughs) Suffering for this generation is I can't go out to eat every night. Mm, I just can't have my Chipotle. <laughs> no joke, man. And, and for all of you that say, I'm such a hard worker. Okay, all right. <laughs> so many things to say. I'll be nice, maybe. You get my point. We, here's what, look at our society, right? And look at the structure, And then that spells out why we are a mess spiritually. What I'm doing is I'm talking about the temporal. I'm talking about the job market and and your ability to endure suffering. We're a bunch of spoiled brats as far as America goes. Everybody knows that, right? On on the world stage, we're a bunch of spoiled brats um, who are being led by our great-grandfather. Anyway, anyway, but the, sorry. But the, the point is, The point is, is that's a good view on the spiritual climate as well. And if we have one that's a certain way, then naturally we're going to feel that in the other. And I'm going to explain what I mean. Looking at this, we have hope if we endure hard times and let that produce character, which brings hope into our lives. Here's, I want to just give you this perspective this morning. Could it be that you're praying to God to remove the one thing that he gave you so that you could actually be a witness for him? Do you think that, look, and this is why the prosperity gospel is so damning. We think that God is, God is going to be viewed 
God is going to be viewed more favorably from a lost and dying world by saying, look how successful I am. God has blessed me so much. That has never been the main attraction to the gospel. The main attraction to the gospel has always been how Christians deal with their affliction. Look, think about 2,000 years ago. Think about what Jesus went through. Think about what Paul went through. Think about what our, our, our founding fathers of our faith went through. The disciples of Jesus Christ, they were hunted. They were killed. Who are we to talk about how rough we have it? But my point is, is not, to, not, to, not to put us in that position where we're like, oh, Lord, just give us some, something hard. Like, we walk through hard things, too. Look, when, when difficult things happen in our lives, we run to our prayer closets for God to remove. And my point is, is that there's another path for that. And it's a path that is way more fitting, that is way more appropriate as it pertains to the gospel. And that's the path of endurance. What happens if the Lord says, I don't want to take that from you. I actually gave it to you. I don't want to heal you. I, I want to heal you, but I don't want to heal you from that. But see, he's just in doing so. How is that possible? Listen to this verse from Paul. He says this, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is in the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you understand that if something kills us in this life, the Lord was still faithful to save us from that, because he saved us from our sin. If you die in your sin, the sting of sin is separation from God. But if you put your believing loyalty in Jesus, there is nothing that death can do to you that he hasn't already taken care of. So once again, I'm trying to help shape your posture towards hard things happening in your life. When we hear the worst of the worst, when we think the worst of the worst, as far as our health goes, what Paul is saying here is you can actually boast in that hard time. And do you understand how, as difficult as that may be, how that a lost and dying world will not understand that? Do you understand that when someone who does not have hope of eternal life sees you going, look, I glory in this because I know that God has saved me from it. I know that God will get the victory in the end. I know that my three score and 10, 70 years on this earth isn't all my life is. I know that he has saved me by his grace and nothing that happens this side of heaven, heaven, not life nor death nor any creature, nothing will separate you from the love of God. God in Christ Jesus. When you take ownership of Hebrews chapter 8, when you take ownership of, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Yeah, we, we talk about the table that he's prepared. Yeah, we talk about the blessings. Look, of course the Lord gives us financially. Why? Because he is prospering his kingdom. Of course, if we give, it shall be what? Given unto us. But if we take that and spin it for our prosperity, we miss the point. Do you understand what I'm saying? There is a, a lens that we should be looking through towards our affliction, towards the hard things, and it's actually a good lens and not a bad lens. But yet, how many times do we have conversation among ourselves where we actually speak well of the bad things that are happening? in our lives. 
Using Paul's language, when was the last time you boasted about something that you're actually hating? We're being lulled asleep in this day and age. God help us. It's always been, it's always been the hard times in history that have produced the strongest people. But look, when you and I are in good, easy times, it's up to us to have character. It's up to us to build that hope within the spirit of God as he's placed it within us. Don't become lazy. Don't don't become complacent in these moments. Do you feel me? Do you understand what I'm saying? This is your opportunity. Ain't no opportunity. I don't want that in my life. That's what I'm saying. You have to address that attitude. You have to confront it for what it is. Why? Remember verse number one. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, you are able to boast in your affliction because of what Jesus did for you, not because you're something good. And and here's the problem. As soon as we go, yeah, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I'm gonna get through this. And then all of that humanist language that's a part of our society today, you can do this, you're the most powerful person You're better than all, you know what I mean? Like, that's damning as well. Here's what it is. The enemy, as much as he can, he is going to try to steal every ounce of glory and credit from the Lord. The enemy is working overtime to get us focused on ourselves so that we're not focused on Jesus. Look, the greatest asset that a Christian has in sharing their faith is hard times. That's why the Bible says, bear ye one another's what? And so fulfill the law of Christ. What is a world without afflictions? Well, that's the kingdom of God. That is what is to come. But what is this life without it? When we act like things don't affect us, and here's another aspect of it. If you are walking through something very difficult and you're the type of person to just conceal it and not let anybody know, that's another missed opportunity. Boast in the problem. Do you you understand what I'm saying? And, and I'm not saying like this self-deprecating way where, you know, every time you're around negative Nancy, you know, oh my goodness. You see her coming a mile away. She's already pulling her list out of all the things that went wrong so that she can walk you through it. That's not what I'm talking about. We all know those people. <laughs> God bless you. I'm, I'm saying that there is a, a humble approach to dealing with hard times. This is not popular preaching, I get it. There's a lot of other passages that I would have rather have preached from, but this is where we're at in the text. So here's, here, here's what it is. We have hope. We are able to walk through difficult things because of our new perspective. Has, man, it's off the hook out there. <laughs> Pray for her affliction right now. I have four afflictions, don't I, babe? <laughs> Anyways, just kidding, I have three. Rex isn't an affliction. That boy, I'll tell all of you, he's my favorite. Save it, put it online. No. <laughs> but seriously. <laughs> James 4.14, it says this. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. You hear me? I know it's hard to listen with all that. Takes me back to the early days at Merritt Park where the, child, the children's department were like right behind the door and you could hear everything. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It's even a vapor, it appeareth for a little time and yet what? Vanisheth away. 
What, we, we really like to listen to this song, Gyra, right? How many love that song? It's so good, right? Think about a line in that song. It comes from a scripture, but it's, uh, if he dresses the lilies. Remember that line? With beauty and splendor, how much more will he clothe you? How much more will he clothe you? If he watches over what? Every sparrow, how much more? If, if he cares for the flowers and the birds, how much more will he care for his children? And that's the point that Paul is making in verse 6 through 11. He paid for you with his blood. He bought and paid for you. And so understand that the things that we're worried about, he says, take no thought for the morrow. Take no thought for what ye shall eat, what ye shall drink. And guess what? That's all we think about. Think about it. We're like, anybody got a good foodie Instagram? Where are we eating today? And you know what I'm saying. We're worried about our posterity. We're worried about our job. We're worried about all the things. Here's a new perspective for you. You ready? And this was Paul's perspective. I've learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be what? Content. You know what passage? This just hit me. You know what passage that's in? Philippians 4.13. It says, I can do what? So we live in a society that takes one verse and elevates it out of context. And it says, you can do anything you put your mind to. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Put it on a sneaker, on a shirt. <laughs> all things, tattoo it right here on my neck. That sounds cool. What do you think, babe? Can I get a 413 tattoo right there? I'm going to get your name. Hashtag classy. Love it. Look. <laughs> We don't understand that I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me is in the context of, watch this, this is what we don't like. God, I can be poor if that's what you want. Or I can be rich if that's what you want. I'm not gonna strive to put myself in any situation that you don't want me in. I'm gonna do today what you want me to do. And I can do that through you. That's actually what Paul is saying. Look, church, how are we gonna see the hard times coming and be okay with it? this scripture right here. Boast in the hard times. Why? Because that hard time will give you endurance. Look, here's what I want. I want a faith that has been tried in the furnace of fire seven times, purified like the book of Psalms says. I want, I want God to know that I mean business. I want God to know that I care about what he, what he spent in, his, in the price of his own son. Do you understand that? I want God to know that I'm committed. How do I do that? I endure. I have a perspective that's eternal rather than temporal. Look, church, we've got to get our minds straight and right around this thing. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he what? and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You see, we want the God that is on high. We want the Jesus that rules and reigns, just like the Jews did, just like the Torah abiding Jew in this text. 
But what Paul is saying, do you want the Jesus that humbled himself as well? When you have something hard that comes into your life, can you, can you trust that he is sovereign in your hard time? Can you celebrate him in your affliction as well as in the good? That's how you build character. Look, if you want to teach your children to build character, teach them to work. <laughs> Don't do everything for them, right? Kick them out of the house. That's a good one. <laughs> Make them suffer on their own. Don't do it what? It's the same way in Christianity. Don't run from the things that are difficult that apply pressure on you. And remember, the order is perfect. You ready? Before you think, oh yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do it on my own. Point number two was we have what? Access. We do we have hope from this place of enduring afflictions because we have access into God's grace. We have the right perspective and we have the right control situation room to endure our hard times. And that's the grace of God. The Lord is not asking you to do anything alone. Look at verse number five in the text and we're done. It says this, it says, this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which was given to us. Before you think that this is something that you do on your own, listen. God wants to do this through you. God wants to show a lost and dying world that it's not circumstances, it's not money, it's not the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life that makes his Christian believers and followers happy. It's his presence. It's his spirit. It's the room of grace that we have access to that allows us to walk through anything with Jesus. Look, it, the bedrock of our relationships, the bedrock of our marriages, we know these truths. It's not about what we have, it's about who we have to walk through these things. Do you, do you understand? But yet we forget, but yet we get complacent. But yet we get to the point where we're like, we just want it easy. Don't take the easy way out. Your relationship with Jesus will grow to another level of hope and hopefulness. The world is hopeless. We need people that are hopeful. How does that happen? Get access into God's grace and boast in the hard times. Don't run from them. Thank you for watching and joining us for our church online. I pray this experience was just what you needed today. If you made a decision for the Lord to follow Christ, or if the Lord did something in your heart that was special today, we would love to hear about it. Post it in the comments, send us a message, and we'll reach out to you. Have a wonderful week, and God bless.